Leadership Conversations is a podcast where Bradley Woburn sits down with inspiring leaders across all industries to dig deep into their why. Through conversation, Bradley will uncover how they got to where they are today, the challenges they faced, and the habits and traits that have made them a standout leader. Mike, welcome to Leadership Conversations. How are you? Great. Thanks, Bradley. Really appreciate you putting the time aside to to come in and actually have a sit-down conversation with me today. Great around. being able to do face-to-face sit-down yeah, again after the last it, couple it of years. It has been a while, hasn't it? Yeah, it's good. Mike, we're going to have a chat today about what is great leadership from your perspective, and I know that you're really passionate about great leadership. But also we're going to touch on what it takes to really transform an organization's culture especially during times of change. I think that's really quite challenging for a leader to navigate that. But before we do that, I really wanted to touch on some of your wonderful personal achievements and I'll maybe dial things back to 2017 when you were awarded CEO of the Year and also the Order of Australia. What did that mean for you personally? Look, thank you. It was a real sort of pinch me moment on both of them because they're not things that you necessarily aspire to or think about along your career journey. And so when things like that come out of the blue and the work that you've done, whether it be in the corporate sense or in the community sense, is kind of recognised, it, it is it is lovely and it's an honour, particularly getting an order of Australia. And, you know, for a little migrant kid who couldn't speak English when he first started school, literally couldn't speak a word of English to sort of, you know, get awarded, see over the year award and, and particularly the Order of Australia and be part of recognising that community was really special. And uh, yeah, it, it was a real honour. You know, it's interesting because the leadership part from the CEO perspective allowed me to really talk about something that I'm quite passionate about uh, in that year that I was the CEO of the year. And talk about the importance of leadership and, and why I think it's important, which I know is some of the things that we're going to touch on as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Can I ask, what, what was it like growing up in the Ebead family? Your parents must be really proud of all the things that you've achieved in your career. Yeah, I mean, my family is very much a very typical migrant story. You know, mum and dad came to Australia in the late 60s. Dad was an engineer and in those days Australia needed engineers and so he had a job um pretty much before, you know, he landed in Australia, which which is, I guess, you know, quite a, a lucky thing for a lot of migrants. And we started off life. Mum and dad wanted to, you know, give their kids a, a better life. They came from Cairo, Egypt. And there was a lot of issues back then, particularly for a Christian family in a Muslim country. And mum and dad, you know, wanted to sort of resettle in a in a Christian-based country, which was important for them. And that's what they did. And, and very much my whole sort of childhood. My mum worked, so I, I had two working parents and I got to see my father, you know, really help mum out in a way that taught me the sense of equality in a family. So because mum and dad both worked, dad certainly was the furthest thing from a, a chauvinist in any way. And so traditional roles in my family didn't really exist. So dad helped out with everything from washing and ironing to washing dishes and cooking. And so that, 
I think really did have an impact on me from a gender equality perspective that the traditional roles of men and women in a household don't have to be that. Thanks for sharing that. You've had quite an incredible career and I'm particularly keen to understand those formative years going through IBM, then through to Optus and then the ABC and then taking on the CEO role at SBS and then on to, to Telstra. Mm-hmm. What are you most proud of in your Gosh. career? Is there anything, I know it's a bit of an, a bit of a, an open-ended question. Yeah. Is there one thing that really stands out for you? I mean, it's hard. You're asking me, I guess, over a 35-year career, mm-hmm. you know, and over that 35 years, I'm very proud of a bunch of things. You know, in in those early days at IBM, it was a graduate position role. Um, I, yeah, I'm going to really age myself here, but I, I was with IBM in the days when we launched the very first laptop and, and PC. You know, I joined Optus in an early stage when we launched the very first mobile phone, you know, dial-up internet. You know, I've been through a lot of major technology shifts that have changed the way we live and work. And I've been really excited to have played a role in, in some of that and been a part of it. But I think, you know, my my time as CEO of SBS allowed me to really hone my own leadership skills, but also completely change um, an organisation at its core in terms of its culture and and, you know, one of the things I'm really proud of was improving staff engagement from, you know, a mid-40s to doubling that to the 80s. That was something that I was really proud of because it kind of meant that a couple of thousand people were going home every day happier, working in a better environment, being their best selves at work and being able to flourish in whatever profession they were in, whether you're a journalist, whether you're a marketer, whether you're a technologist, etc. I was really proud of that and I'm sure we'll unpack some of that later. Yeah. Um, and so that all of those things, I guess, have helped me be the sort of person and the leader that I am. And I, you know, sort of think of them a little bit differently sometimes. But also on the personal front, once I had a, you know, a little bit of a public profile after the SBS role, being able to use that to advance things like marriage equality was something that I was really proud of as well. And and that gave you a bit of a platform to be able to have a voice in, in the community for social change. So things like that, I'm also very proud of. It's actually a really good lead into the topic of culture. It's a pretty broad topic, but when you go into an organization and you recognize that, wow, there's, there's actually some work to do around some of the things you touched on before, employee engagement is is really low, employee morale is at an all-time low. What are the fundamentals that you need to put in place to really drive that up to levels that you want them to be? Definitely at the beginning, you've got to have a passion and a will to want to change it. Mm. I think that's really important because if it doesn't start at the top, it's very hard to get traction if you're not if you don't have your CEOs, you know, 
backing in changing things. And often I think culture does need to be led by the CEO and her or his team. And it really does have to start at the top. It can't just be something that is driven by, you know, a HR department or a HR program. It really has to be something that the whole leadership team buys into. When I think about a culture in an organisation, you know, I often say to people that organisations have to actively work on what culture they want, what culture do they need to be successful in the sector that they're operating in. Because if you don't actively work on the culture that you want, a culture will develop around you and it may not be the culture that you need to be successful in your organisation. And so often when you ask a group of leaders, you know, I get asked often to to go in and sort of talk to C-level suite leadership teams about how do we start this journey, et cetera. And I think, well, you've got to first know what sort of culture do you want and then do a really forensic analysis of what sort of culture have you currently got and you sort of build a bridge from A to B and say, okay, this is where we are, this is what our culture is. But you get your teams together to say, okay, what do we need? What sort of company do we have to have in terms of culture for us to be successful and achieve the goals that we want to achieve? And then how do you get from A to B? And the how do you get from A to B is the list of initiatives, the programs that you're going to put in place to to get there. And understanding right at the front, you know, what is culture? I mean, we should probably just take a minute to talk about that because you know, a lot of people find it a bit of a fuzzy thing. You know, how do you just define what culture is? And and I like to, to think of it as very tangible things. I mean, to me, culture is your systems and processes and behaviors within a company. So, you know, behaviors is an easy one to define, you know, whether you respect your employees, your customers, each other, et cetera. The way you behave is is an easy one. But your systems and processes add a lot to culture. So if your processes are very bureaucratic, by definition, that's going to create a very bureaucratic environment. But if your processes have high levels of trust with your teams and allow people to take responsibility and make decisions and you trust people, then by definition, those processes are going to create a very different sort of culture. And then, of course, your systems, your um, things like your expenses and how you reimburse and how you get approvals and all of that. So for me, all those things together contribute to a company's culture, mm. your systems, processes, and your behaviors. Yeah. Now, some great insight there. And do you feel that being your authentic self is really important to really lift culture to the next level? Yeah, look, absolutely. I, I think, you know, a lot's been written in management books about being your authentic self. And at the end of the day, I think employees see through bullshit, right? People 100%. know when you're not being authentic. People know when you're, you know, trying to be somebody else. And, you know, I often say to young leaders, you know, don't try and be anybody else. You've just got to be yourself, yourself. because- For some people, leadership comes naturally. For other people, you've got to really work on it. And that's fine, but you've got to be yourself. And, you know, I think leadership isn't that hard at the end of the day, but 
it's got to be purposeful and mindful in terms of what do you want to be, what do you want to achieve, what do you want your leadership brand to be? Mm. You know, often I say to leaders, well, what is your leadership brand? Yeah. And a lot of people look at you blankly. It's like, well, what do you want to be known for? And if you know what sort of leader you want to be in terms of your brand, understanding how people perceive you today is the next step. Because often, just like culture, the you know the A to B journey that I gave, you've got to do the same thing with your leadership brand. You can often think that you are an approachable leader, that you're, you know, you give people a fair hearing, et cetera, et cetera. But actually, if you survey your team, you might find out that actually you're perceived very differently. And a good leader always gets feedback from their teams about how they're perceived because I find that often leaders have a different perception of themselves to the harsh reality. And if you don't know what the harsh reality is, you can't change yourself as a good leader. And you've got to be able to constantly get feedback and say, well, actually, is that feedback in line with the sort of leader I want to be? The listeners of of this podcast, Mike, are CEOs, existing leaders, young leaders that have just moved into a leadership role for the first time. And when I talk to people on this podcast and my network, there's always this view that if you move into a leadership role, you need to be able to showcase to people a particular demeanor. It's surprising when people tell me that. I think there's this innate view that you need to be a a very different person in the workplace than you are outside of work. Mm. But to your point, I think that you're not being authentic in the workplace. People can see through that. Totally, yeah. And you need to be approachable. Being really self-aware on the impact that you have on your team Mm. is really important. I think, you know, so many leaders underestimate and undervalue the shadow that they cast on their team. Mm. You know, if you're in a bad mood and you show it, your team generally knows it and it affects everybody. It affects the whole team. You know, how often do you see people say, oh, you know, is the boss in a good or bad mood today? Yeah. You know, I mean, people shouldn't have to worry about your mood. And back to your point on on authenticity, one of the other really important reasons why you've got to be authentic is because it's then easier to be consistent. If you're trying to be somebody else, you'll end up being inconsistent because you'll go in and out of being your real self and this person or this persona that you're trying to be. Mm. And consistency is so important in leadership so that your team knows where they stand with you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Being aware of your team and, you know, one thing, of course, we all know is every team member is different. Some team members need high touch, high praise, high involvement, high instruction, and other team members just leave me alone. Just tell me what I've got to do. You don't need to pat me on the back. I don't need to be praised. You know, everyone's different. And as a good leader, you need to know how people want to be led. And when I start with a new team or have a new team member come into my team, I always say to people, how do you like to be led? How do you like like to work with with a leader? Because you can't assume that everybody wants to be managed and led the same way. Absolutely. I just want to switch gears again. Do you need to be an extrovert to be a great leader? Not at all. Really couldn't. I'm very clear on that. I don't think you do. There are times where 
you do need to be a bit of an extrovert and other times where you really need to be an introvert and, and you know, sit back and listen. And, mm. and so I find I go in and out of both. If I'm on stage, you know, at, say, Telstra Vantage, I've got 3,500 people in an audience, I can't go on stage and be an introvert. I need to be a bit of an extrovert. I've got a job to do to present, to inspire, whether it's an internal audience or an external audience. But there are other times where in a meeting as a leader, you've got to zip up and actually use your ears a hell of a lot more than your mouth and listen to what's going on, what the messages are, or sometimes the you know, sublineal, sublineal messages that people are trying to give you. And so going from one to the other is super important, I think, as a leader. Leaders, I think, who are constantly just extroverts and loud and talk more than they listen to aren't necessarily the good leaders. I do agree with you on that. Yeah. And if I reflect on my own career and I've I've been working for 20 years now. I would say that the best leaders that I've come across in my career have a good blend of both. Yeah. I mean, if you're trying to, you know, particularly for a CEO, you have a lot of eyes in an organization, whether it's a small company or a major corporation, there's a lot of eyes looking at you. And, you know, everything you do is noticed discussed has an impact on somebody or everybody and you know that that's where you've really got to think about you know is this an opportunity for me to be a bit more of an expert to inspire people but i think you can also really inspire people by having more introvert sort of qualities as well mm. you know People who are quieter, who are very deep thinkers and strategists can be very inspiring because they may not talk a lot, but when they do talk, it's really inspired. And so people don't know, need to be showy to be a good leader. How has your leadership qualities evolved over, you know, 30, 35 years that you've been working? Are there any qualities that really stand out for you that you've had to kind of really work on? Yeah, definitely. I'm a big believer mm. that you need to evolve your leadership skills over time mm. to suit organizations or teams or the environment. I mean, you know, leaders in the last couple of years with COVID have had to completely change the way they lead. But just like we evolve our marketing techniques, we evolve our technology in businesses, we evolve every part of our company, so too, I think, does leadership need to evolve. So if I think about when I started in the workforce in, you know, the, the mid-late 80s, yeah, it was very much command and control leadership. I'm the boss, I'll tell you what to do, and you just do it. You know, you couldn't lead like that today. Sure. Uh, you've got today, leadership is all about coaching, inspiring, you know, helping people grow, creating the right environments so people can be their best. You know, bosses 35 years ago would have told you, I don't need to know what your personal problems are, just get on with the job. And, you know, there was no empathy. Leaders today, I think, have to have a high level of empathy. But to, to your question about, you know, things that I've changed, I remember years ago when I was first, you know, becoming a sort of 
junior manager and, and mid-level manager. One of the, you know, when I talked earlier about often your team might have a different perception of you than what you think you are. I got some really stark feedback that I was a terrible listener. And I was like, really? You know, I was, I was really shocked. Mm-hmm. And, and often when you get 360 feedback, people are often surprised at various things in, in, in the feedback. And so I set out intentionally to, to really change that and to be a good listener. And it took a while, but then I was so proud a couple of years later when I started seeing on my 360s things like Mike's a good listener. Mm. I was like, wow, okay, it, it can work. But I, I used to do physical things to remind myself. So every time I wanted to jump in and just give somebody the answer or interrupt, or I would sit on my hands on my chair and I would just not let my hands out from under my legs until the person stopped speaking. Wow. And it was just a, a little tiny physical thing that reminded me just zip up Mm. And this is a time to listen. Yeah. But getting that feedback was invaluable for me as a leader. And I'm really fortunate that I got that feedback very early on in the process. Yeah, no, absolutely. Mm. We've we've touched on a lot today, but could you perhaps summarize what what is great leadership from your perspective? You've been a CEO before. What are those couple of things that really stand out for you when you go, wow, that person's a great leader? Well, what's what's great leadership? I think, you know, there's no one thing. Mm, I'd just say that. Sure, I think sure. it's a handful of things. You know, being self-aware is incredibly important and the impact that you have on others. I think a good leader is somebody who really spends time in, in thinking about building the right environment and the right culture so that their team can really be their best and and give their best work and for people to feel that they can put their ideas forward without being shot down or ridiculed or, you know, having, creating the right environment is really important and working on the culture so that you can create that right environment. So what all that says to me is that actually leadership isn't about being the boss and making the decisions. For me, leadership is really about creating the environment so that your team can really shine and thrive in whatever industry and sector and whatever objectives you're trying to achieve. That to me is creating the right environment so that as a team, you can really thrive. And I, I know, I remember something about you. You are an early riser. I'm I'm keen to hear from you around the importance of self-care. How important is that, especially when you move into a leadership role and there's a lot going on every single day is, is different. You're dealing with different issues, problems, et cetera, et cetera. How important is self-care? Critical. I have suffered from ignoring where I've been so busy and, you know, exercising or going for a walk seemed like a unproductive use of my time. You know, I've got so many so many things to do today. I, I don't have time to go to the gym or go for a walk or whatever, you know, if you're a swimmer or a cyclist or whatever outlet you have. But it very quickly manifests into your mental health. It very quickly manifests into body problems. You know, many of us in, in the corporate world are, you know, very stagnant. We, we don't move. Our bodies aren't designed to sit for 12 hours a day. And so exercising, making sure you don't end up with bad backs and necks and all of the things that 
you know, modern day suffers from is really important. You know, I, I had surgery on my neck about five years ago from constantly looking down at laptops, you know, little things like that where my C6 and 7, it's kind of fused in my spine where now I make sure that my, you know, I have a separate screen that sits up higher that my eyelid, you know, all those things are part of Mm self-care, going to the gym, you know, even, even if you're exercising whilst on a call, but at least you're moving and taking time out is critically important, but also self-care in terms of just having fun with your friends and family is really important to keep it in check and keep it real. You know, somebody once told me, and it was really good advice, um, I was going through a period where I was doing crazy hours and, you know, working around the clock. And someone said to me, you know, Mike, nobody in the company in 20 years is going to remember who you were. But in 20 years, your friends and family are going to remember who you were. You know, making sure that you put priorities right is critically important because your friends and family are the ones who are going to be, um, you know, with you as you're older. Uh, you know, so Kamal Sharma once often used to say, look after the people who will be at your funeral. Yeah. You know. Very <laughs> don't, true. Don't forget that. Very true. I know it's a bit more, but I don't yeah. want to end on that more yeah, than no. Yeah, but you know, yeah. but yeah, the point really is about you know keep keeping life balanced is is really important. And I'm I've always been a believer in having fun along the way. And I think you can work hard and have fun at the same time. You know, it's really important for me anyway. I like yeah. to have fun as I go. And and for me too. For me too. I want to end with just one thing, and it's something I picked up in the in the CEO magazine. You were on the front cover of of that magazine back in 2017, and it says and it quotes in the in the magazine itself that you were born to lead. Oh, and I've had gosh. the yeah. the privileged opportunity to work with you before, and I've been able to see that firsthand. How amazing of a leader you are! Thank you. So I wanted to thank you for having a chat with me today on the Leadership Conversations podcast. And once again, it's been great to be able to do this in person with you. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Please remember to rate the podcast and subscribe wherever you listen. It really does make a difference. You can also connect with Bradley through LinkedIn. See you next time.